Welcome to the Stoner Den, where stoners come to smoke weed, hang out, and escape the world for a little while. Hey everybody, and welcome to the Stoner Den. My name is Jess, and I will be your host for this podcast. If you like what you hear, make sure to share this with your friends and subscribe to podcasts wherever you can do that. Thank you so much for joining me on the very first episode of the Stoner Den. Like I said at the beginning, this is a place, hopefully, where pot people, stoners, cannabis connoisseurs, anyone that likes weed can come hang out, relax, escape the world for a little bit. I'll have a little bit of a hoot, as I like to call it, or a smoke session with you guys. And then maybe we'll talk about something interesting. I will be uploading two episodes every month, so an episode every other Sunday. They'll be ready and waiting for you at 4.20 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Figured that was a good time for us. We'll all remember it. (laughs) I know I will, which is the most important thing. Since there's going to be two episodes every month, at least to start, Um, I thought it would be cool if one episode is on a movie and one episode is on a book. The first episode of every month is going to be on a book and the second episode of every month will be on the movie. Hopefully when this podcast gets posted, I will have a Facebook page dedicated to the show um, and then I will put up a list of the things I'm going to talk about at the beginning of each month and I want you guys to follow along with me, watch the movies with me, read the books with me and then we will have a bit of a discussion. I will put up a post on the Facebook page for each topic that we talk about. You guys can come, you can agree with me, you can disagree with me, um, and we can have like a little discussion. Of course, we will be civil and we'll be nice to each other. This is a kind place. We're all stoners after all. Also, like I said, I every episode I will sit down with my little bong here and I'm going to have a little smoke session, or a hoot, as I like to call it. And uh, we'll just get into the mood before we talk about uh, the book or the movie. Of course, as is my nature, (laughs) I'm going to be contrary. For the first episode, even though this is the end of the month and would typically be a movie episode, I'm going to be talking about a book this week. Um, Since it is the first episode, I didn't give you guys any fair warning on what we're going to be reading, but it is a really short book and I found it easy to read, but in a good way. So I think you guys could catch up really quickly. So in this episode, I'm going to be talking about a book called The Alchemist. It was written in the 1980s by an author named Paolo Coelho. I apologize for butchering your name. (laughs) I really wanted to start with this book just because I think it is really great for people who want to follow their dreams, maybe do something that is a little bit outside the norm, where you don't know what the outcome is going to be, like starting a podcast, for example. So I, I found this book really inspirational, and I think lots of other people can relate to what's 
sort of said in the book. So I thought it was a great place to start. I really encourage whoever is listening to please, if you haven't read the book, please read it. Um, it's great. And I encourage everyone to read more. I think it's a great hobby. As I said, before we get into the book talk, let's get into the mood here. And I'm going to grab my little bong and we'll have a little smoke session. Of course, I am over the legal age to consume cannabis and I am living in Canada where it is legal to consume recreational weed. Yay! Yay, Canada! So if you're over the legal age and you live somewhere where it's legal to do so, please join me in having a little hootski. Okay, everybody, if you are ready, get your bong, get your joint, get your edibles, whatever you prefer. If you're not a weed person, if you just want a glass of water or a glass of wine, you're welcome to join us also. Here we go. I am a dabber. I love concentrates. I love my little dabbing rig. It's just a cheap little rig that I've got at the local bong shop but it's served me well for quite a number of years. Like I said though, pick your preferred way of consuming cannabis and let's uh, let's just get right into it, shall we? I'm gonna heat up my bong here, just excuse the torch sound. I will try to talk to you while I do this. I did pre-torch it, just so you don't have to sit here for two solid minutes and listen to the torch. <laughs> I didn't think you would like that. Today I am dabbing on some Blue Dream, which is one of my go-to strains. Blue Dream is, I believe it's a cross between blueberry and a haze of some variety. I probably should have looked that up before I started, but you know, whatever. This is where we are now. I like Blue Dream. It has really nice flavor. And it is a bit of a sativa dominant, which is nice for daytime use and right when you're recording a podcast so that you don't fall asleep. There we go. Apologize, you might hear my chair make some weird sounds. If you are doing concentrates, you just have to wait for your, uh, your dab rig to cool off a little bit here for optimal temperature. I hope everyone else is enjoying their marijuana of choice. Alright, here we go. That's what I'm talking about. That was good. Very tasty. Get a little bit of the blueberry flavor in there. Not too overpoweringly sweet. I swear the squeaking noises are my chair. I promise. <laughs> okay. Now that we are all sufficiently stoned, I hope anyways. Hope you're following along. Uh, let's get into it. Probably a good place to start to talk about the author first. Like I said, the author, his name is Paulo Coelho. He is from Brazil. He's currently still alive. Um, probably unlike most of the authors I'm going to end up talking about here. He is 73. I don't know if I said that already. He lives with his wife, who is an artist, and they live in Switzerland. 
He grew up in Brazil. I think I said that again already. His parents were very religious, uh, I believe Catholic. He still considers himself a bit of a Catholic, but because his ideas lean a little bit more towards the new age, some people don't consider him Catholic. But I mean, let's be real. I think that's probably his call to make, you know, I mean, if he wants to call himself that, go for it. It sounds like he had a pretty interesting life, I'm going to say. He was committed to a mental institution at the age of 17 by his own parents, right? Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't know. He says that they did this because they were very religious and he was acting out and just not doing what they wanted him to do or following the life that they thought he should. And back then, I would imagine this is probably like back in the 50s, maybe that was kind of just the thing you did, you know, like if there was something wrong with somebody, you just sent them to the mental institution and that was supposed to straighten them out. So I get it. I mean, I get it and I don't get it. Like that would be a pretty tough thing to get over. And, you know, he's very gracious for that. But at some point, I think you just got to forgive somebody. While he was in the mental institution, he escaped or tried to escape rather three times and he ended up being released at the age of 20. When he got out of the mental institution, his parents wanted him to enroll in law school, I assume to become a lawyer, and like the good rebel that he was, he dropped out after one year, decided to travel the world, uh, experimented with a bunch of different drugs, and basically just became a hippie. This was in the 60s, so I think any of us would probably want to do the same thing, and would have, or maybe some of you did. When he was done with the traveling hippie lifestyle, he moved back to Brazil and ended up being a songwriter for a few uh, Brazilian singers. The singers that he ended up working for were a little bit more on the occult side and they sung a lot about magic and a lot of sort of left-wing ideas. In Brazil, in the early 70s, the government was quite militant, and they didn't really like that. They didn't really like the subversive uh, lyrics that they were writing about. So Paulo ended up getting arrested. In 1974, at the age of 27, he was arrested, tortured, and released shortly after. Um, He says it's because of his subversive activities. Quote unquote. Of course, before becoming a writer, he took he went the practical route, which I mean, I guess songwriting was the practical route. <laughs> he said that it put food on the table and it made him quite successful, but he ended up realizing that it wasn't really what he wanted to be. He had actually always wanted to be a writer. It's something he had thought about from childhood and something he had kind of always dabbled in, but just never pursued it. He went for more practical things. I think that's something that we can all relate to, especially in this day and age where society really tells us what we should and shouldn't be doing with our lives. It's unfortunate. I think there would be a lot of people who would be a lot happier doing other things than what they are doing, but they're doing it because they think they have to or they should. And that's sad. The thing that made him realize he should become a writer is he went on a 500 mile walk down the road of Santiago de Compostela. 
I think I actually said that okay. <laughs> um, he took this pilgrimage. It's a 500 mile pilgrimage. It's a 500 mile pilgrimage to Spain or in Spain. And during this pilgrimage, he had a spiritual awakening. And this is where he decided to start writing. That was the basis for another book of his, one of his earlier books called The Pilgrimage, which was written in 1987. And that's basically like an autobiographical writing of his, uh, his pilgrimage in uh, Spain. Over his career, he has written a lot of books. A lot of books, a lot of essays, a lot of different newspaper articles. Um, the book we're talking about, The Alchemist, he wrote in 1988. He even was working on a series of children's books with Kobe Bryant before his unfortunate death. Paolo decided that he was going to delete all of the stuff that they had worked on. Uh, he didn't feel right releasing the book without Kobe being there, which I can totally respect. I think that's a respectable decision. He has been published in over 170 countries and his books have been translated into 83 languages. That's pretty crazy. Pretty crazy career and a pretty, pretty crazy life, I have to say. I don't know. If somebody took a, a autobiography of my life, it would probably be pretty boring. <laughs> Um, so kudos to Paolo Coelho, and he's still alive, which is there aren't too many artists and or authors who managed to be alive to appreciate their success. So that's cool. Okay, so now that we've talked about Paolo Coelho, the author, let's move on to the book, The Alchemist, written in 1988. I'm going to give a brief rundown of the book. I'm obviously not going to read the book. That would take a really long time. And I want to encourage everyone to go and read the books themselves. I kind of want to do this book club style, even for the movies. Like, I encourage you to go read the books, watch the movies, so you can follow along. And we can do this uh, sort of discussion style. Alright, The Alchemist. Here we go. The Alchemist starts off, uh, we are following around a boy. His name is Santiago. Uh, for most of the book, he's referred to as the boy. I honestly forgot that he even had a name while I was reading it. So, you know, that's a fun fact. Santiago lives in Spain. He is a shepherd boy. He has a flock of sheep that he basically takes around from pasture to pasture, travels around the countryside, and he visits towns every once in a while when he needs supplies um, or to just go talk to people. Uh, Santiago is very nice. He's very friendly. He helps people. He's very kind. He's good to his sheep. He likes his life. He's content. A lot like the author, Santiago's parents wanted him to pursue a little bit of a different career path than becoming a shepherd, but Santiago wanted to travel and experience the world and learn new things. And back in those days, a shepherd was the best type of person to do that. Like I said, he was content traveling around with his sheep. He even met someone in a village, a merchant's daughter that caught his eye. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you know, there you go. But one, a few nights while he was out traveling with his sheep, he had a dream. He had a dream that there was a treasure out in the Egyptian pyramid somewhere for him to find. And after having this dream a couple times, 
he decided to go and see a fortune teller. And this old hag of a fortune teller <laughs> basically told him that there was a treasure at the Egyptian pyramids. Thanks, old lady. <laughs> she doesn't know exactly what the treasure is. She doesn't know exactly where it is. But she knows it's hidden somewhere near the pyramids. So, great. Tell me something I already knew. No good information. Great. Basically, Santiago thinks that this lady is crazy. And he just sloughs it off. He's like, whatever. I'm not going to bother. So, one day while he is out with his sheep, Santiago is approached by an old man. And this old man tells Santiago that he just happens to be the king of the town of Salem. His name is, oh my goodness, Melchizedek. I probably didn't say that right. So that's the only time I'm going to say it. The old king tells Santiago that every person out there has something called a personal legend. And a personal legend is basically like your destiny, your kind of your purpose for living, the one thing that that drives you and, 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 you know, makes you happy and the universe is sort of... It's, it's what the universe wants you to have is the best way that I can describe it. I don't know. <laughs> and the old man tells Santiago that his personal legend is to go and find this hidden treasure. Obviously, Santiago at first thinks that the old king is crazy. He's like, did he go talk to the fortune teller? Like, are they in cahoots? You know, are these people, these people are nuts. The more he thinks about it and the more he thinks about it, Santiago starts to realize that this actually could be a pretty cool adventure. He still wants to experience lots of things, he still wants to travel, and he realizes that his sheep have basically taught him everything that he can learn there. He's learned everything about the countryside that he can learn, and maybe it's time to move on. Maybe these old people aren't so crazy after all. So Santiago decides to go off and find his treasure. Or, well, at least look for his treasure. He has no idea what he's going to find. He's just going to go to the Egyptian pyramids and hopefully he finds treasure. He goes and he sells all of his sheep, which ends up happening way faster than he expects. He goes to one of his friends and he says, hey man, I want to sell my sheep. And his friend is like, oh, hey, crazy, because I just decided that I want to become a shepherd. Like, what, what, what's the timing? Oh my gosh. Once he miraculously sells all of his sheep, he has enough money to get himself to Egypt. Um, remember, Santiago lives in Spain, so getting to Egypt is quite a long journey. This is long before airplanes and cars. So he has to take a boat down to Africa, which is where Egypt is. And then from there, he has to cross the Sahara Desert. And obviously, before planes and cars, this, I mean, even now, crossing the Sahara is a bit of a bitch. So, <laughs> like, is this going to be tough for Santiago? Before he heads out on his journey, he ends up meeting up with the old man one more time. He made a deal with the old man that he would give him a bunch of his sheep in order for the old man giving him advice on where to find his, his, uh, his personal legend, aka his, the hidden treasure. While he's there, he tells the old man that he was like, holy crap, I sold all of my sheep like super fast. I can't even believe it. It was a miracle. And the old man says, yeah, that's because when someone's on their personal legend, the universe is going to conspire 
to help them in whatever way they can because you're doing what the universe wants you to do and so you're making the universe happy and in return it will make you happy everything's connected cycle of things yada 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 i think we kind of get it Uh, The old king also tells Santiago about omens and that they're super important and he needs to watch out for omens because they will be the ones to guide him to his personal legend, aka the treasure. Santiago's like, okay, cool, omens, all right, I got my money, I'm gonna make this trip. He's feeling pretty confident, he's like, the universe is on my side, we're gonna make this happen, let's go find some treasure. He makes the boat trip over to Africa pretty easy. He lands in Tangier. This is Santiago's first time outside of Spain, and he suddenly remembers that in Africa, they speak a different language, and they also practice a different religion than he does. He's really excited about meeting new people and experiencing things, but he's also really scared. This is all really new, and there's lots of new things happening. While he's hanging out in, I think it's like a pub or something somewhere, he ends up meeting a guy there who tries to befriend him. He tells him about this really cool sword in the market and he's like, hey, come check out this sword. You know, I think you would really like it. You got lots of money. You can totally afford it. You'll need it on your journey through the Sahara, you know, so let's let's go find it and um the marketplace is full of thieves so i'm gonna hold your money while we walk through the market just to keep it safe santiago's like okay cool sounds great awesome let's do it well i think we all know where this was going the guy stole santiago's money yep all of it every single penny santiago had made from selling his sheep he had lost So Santiago was now stuck in a foreign country where he didn't speak the language and he didn't have any money. He was feeling really, really cruddy, like real shit about itself, like real shit. So he's like, okay, this was, this was stupid. This was a stupid decision. I don't even know why I decided to come here. I'm, I'm going to make enough money to go back home to Spain to buy some more sheep. And I'm going to go back to being a shepherd. That's what I know. I was safe there. I was happy there. That's what we're going to do. So he goes and he finds a crystal shop where the guy just happens to hire him. It's like weird how all of these things just end up happening. (laughs) He works there for 11 months and he ends up becoming friends with the shop owner. And, you know, they become, they get a bit of a relationship. I mean, he's there for almost a year. He helps the shop become much more successful than it was. It really wasn't doing very well before Santiago got there. And he gave the shop owner a lot of really great ideas. And they sold lots of crystal. And it was really great. Now, the shop owner did know that Santiago was from Spain and he was trying to get enough money so that he could go back to Spain, get some sheep and go back to being a shepherd. Um, But one day he was like, hey, Santiago, why are you even here in the first place? Santiago was like, "Ah, well, I was on this stupid journey to go get this stupid treasure that I don't even know exists. And some stupid jerk hole stole my money. And, you know, so that's where we are now. And the shop owner was like, oh, well, I had my own personal legend. Being a devout Muslim, I always wanted to make the pilgrimage to Mecca. But because I had this shop and I was always dedicated to working at the shop, I was never able to go do that. 
and I feel really bad that that I never was able to go do this thing. And so it makes Santiago think, and he's like, oh crap, that means I have to go do this personal legend. I have to go find my stupid treasure. <laughs> he wasn't really like that. He actually, he came to terms with it pretty good. That's just how I would be. <laughs> so Santiago's like, okay, okay, instead of taking all this money that I made and going back to Spain and buying sheep, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep going. I'm gonna cross the Sahara. I'm gonna find my treasure. He feels dedicated. He's in it. He's in it to win it now. Now that Santiago's balling, he's got all this money, he buys himself a camel and he drives a caravan, which is back then the easiest, bestest, safest way to get across this gigantic desert. While he's in this caravan and he's traveling across the giant desert, he meets an Englishman. I don't think he has a name. He's pretty much referred to the Englishman <laughs> throughout the whole thing. And the Englishman studies alchemy. Oh, finally, in a book called The Alchemist, we, we get to the alchemy part. So the Englishman tells Santiago that he's traveling across the desert. Well, not across. He's traveling halfway across the desert to this oasis. And that's where the alchemist is supposed to live. Oh, the alchemist. Mysterious. He doesn't have a name. He's just known as the alchemist. And because the Englishman is studying alchemy, he wants to go find this guy and learn all of his secrets. Because that's how you learn alchemy, is by studying from other people. Um, if you don't know what alchemy is, it is... Oh gosh, how do you describe alchemy? It's basically when someone tries to combine magic and science. So you study all the aspects of, of science, like physics, chemistry, all that stuff, math, astronomy. But then they think you can do certain things like create the elixir of life, which gives somebody uh, long life. You, like you can live for hundreds and hundreds of years. Or there is the Philosopher's Stone, I believe is what it's called. Yeah, which turns any metal into gold. And so these are things that alchemists believe are possible. Okay, sorry, side story. <laughs> I had to explain alchemy. I was going to do that at the beginning and I forgot. There you go. All right, so we're traveling through the desert. We have Santiago. We have the Englishman. As they're traveling they find out that war has broken out in the desert. Because in the desert, there's a bunch of different tribes of people that live out there. You've got like the Bedouins and other tribes and, you know, people that live in the various oases out in the desert. And war has broken out. Apparently it's a common thing. That's, that's what it says, I think, in the book. It says it happens often. So traveling has become a little bit dangerous. They really want to make it to the oasis. Oases are considered neutral territory they're safe ground so if you make it to one you're safe because basically everyone in the desert needs an oasis and if you destroy it then you kill everybody so it's just stupid like you know so they want to keep them finally after days and days and i think maybe even weeks and weeks of traveling across the desert they make it to the oasis and it's a huge oasis by the way like i was imagining you know like a little tiny sand dune thing with a bit of water in the middle and a couple of palm trees 
No, this is huge. Uh, there are hundreds of wells. There are thousands of date trees. There are like tents and tents and people like people live there year round. There's there's people that there that's their home. So once they make it to the oasis, they find out that because of the war, the caravan leaders don't want to go any further. They're going to have to stay in the oasis until the war is over. Bah, bah, bah. This could take a really long time, like months, maybe even years. Boo, boo. The Englishman is like, cool, well, this is where I need to be anyways. Santiago, since you're stuck here, let's go look for the alchemist. Santiago's like, yeah, I got nothing else to do. Let's go do it. I got all this money. I'm cool. Whatever. We can hang out. They figure the best way to find the alchemist is to go to these wells where everyone comes and gathers every day because a well is source of life in the desert and ask somebody if they know where the alchemist is. They obviously don't know the alchemist's name, so they're just kind of asking around for this guy who like heals people and does crazy miracles. Now, most of the people they're talking to you are devout Muslims. So <laughs> when you're talking about somebody who's like healing people and doing magic, they're gonna look at you sideways. Eventually at one of the wells, Santiago ends up meeting a woman. Her name is Fatima. Santiago falls head over heels in love with Fatima. Love at first sight, like we're talking, he is hooked. He tells her right off the bat, I think almost the first day or the second day, he tells her that he loves her. Like, big mistake, bro. You don't do that on the first date. Like, come on. But it ends up working out for him because Fatima's like, holy shit, I totally love you too. Like, what? Because this is old timey and they're both religious people, you know, they, they, they're basically like in courting. So every day they come and they meet at the well and they chit chat and they do their thing. And in the interim, Santiago is still trying to help the Englishman find the alchemist. And so he asks Fatima and he's like, hey, do you know this guy? And Fatima's like, oh yeah, I totally know that guy. He lives out, I think it's like the south, south border of the, of the oasis. Englishman's like, sweet, I'm out of here. See ya. He goes and tries to find the, the alchemist. One day, while Santiago is out strolling the desert outside of the oasis, he sees a couple of hawks and he ends up having a crazy vision. He has a vision uh, basically where he sees uh, one of the warring tribes come and attack the oasis, which normally is like, that's bad news. Oasises are neutral territory. You're not supposed to do that. Why are you doing that? You, know, you don't do that. So Santiago takes his vision and he goes and he tries to tell the chieftains of this oasis because that's, that's how it works back then. There's chieftains. And he tells them, he's like, whoa, I saw this vision with hawks in the desert and there's going to be a tribe that's going to come and they're going to try and attack the oasis. And most of the chieftains are like, oh, what the fuck? You're crazy. You can't say that shit. Nobody's coming here because this is the oasis. Nobody's going to attack us. You're crazy. But there's a couple of the old chieftains and they're like, yeah, visions are real. We got to trust that shit. Yep. Okay, we're gonna get ready for this tribe to come in to attack us, but Santiago, we're gonna make you a deal. Since we're getting everybody all ready for this attack, if the attack happens, we're gonna give you one piece of gold for every 10 dead enemies. But if no one shows up and we're all ready for this attack, we gotta kill somebody, so we're gonna kill you if nobody else shows up. 
that sounds like a fair deal, right? Like <laughs> 10 pieces of gold for every, I mean, one piece of gold for every 10 dead enemies or you die. That's fair. That's fair. Santiago thinks that's fair. He's like, okay, sounds good. Well, luckily for Santiago, the, the attack does happen. The tribe does come and they attack the oasis. And because the oasis was ready, because of Santiago, uh, they kill everybody. Like, literally, they kill everybody. And Santiago gets a lot of gold. He's like, oh yeah, I'm rich again, bitches. So now, of course, Santiago's like, well, I got all this gold. I got this lady that I love who loves me. And I got a pretty sweet life here in the oasis. Like, why would I want to go search for treasure? He's feeling pretty good about his life. Again, one day, while Santiago's out strolling in the desert, as Santiago does in this book, because he really does, he goes out and strolls in the desert quite often. Santiago meets this guy. He's super scary. He's on this big horse. He's got a hawk, and he's like all covered up in cloaks and everything, and he's he's got a sword. And, uh, did I say he had a sword? He has a sword. And he's all scary, and he asks Santiago about the vision that he had. Santiago's like, oh... Oh, I see. You want to know about my vision? Yeah, I know who you are. You're the alchemist. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. So the alchemist says, yeah, you're pretty cool. You saw visions. You seem like a cool kid. Why don't you come over to my tent and we'll have a chit chat? Because, yeah, I think we can all agree that taking an old scary man up on his invitation to go back to his tent in the middle of the night is a good idea. So I think later that night, or maybe the next night, Santiago goes, meets the alchemist at his tent. And the alchemist says, hey, I know you have this personal legend that you're supposed to be going on. And because I am a ward of the universe, I am at its beck and call. I am here to help you and encourage you on your personal legend. At first, Santiago's like, man, you're crazy. I got this really cool life here. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just going to go back to the Oasis and I'm going to talk to Fatima. And then while Santiago's hanging out in the Oasis, he starts thinking about it again. And he's like, oh man, I'm like so close to this. I'm so close to my personal legend. Maybe I should go do this. He talks to Fatima about it. And like the cool chick that she is, she's like, man you totally need to go look for this treasure not because it's treasure she's not money hungry she's like you know you need to go follow your personal legend it would be terrible of me to hold you back from doing this like i wouldn't really love you if i was keeping you from doing this thing that you're really supposed to do and i mean like cool check right Mm -hmm. so santiago is like okay i'm gonna have to go do this i gotta do this I i gotta see this through He goes and talks to the alchemist and he's like, okay, Fatima told me, encouraged me to go. I really need to go do this. Let's go do this. Of course, there's still war going on out in the desert. These tribes have not stopped warring. It's still dangerous out there. But the alchemist is, he's smart. He knows the desert. He knows people. He knows how to talk to people. He's like, we're going to be fine. Come with me and we will be okay. So they head out. It takes them a really long time to get there. Again, this is back in old timey days where there's no cars, there's no airplanes. So it takes them a long time to get there. They are on horseback at this point. Um, They pass quite a few of the warring tribes and the alchemist uses just a lot of 
he doesn't use magic he uses just a lot of like really good intuition and his brain and logic to get them out of things um and along the way he teaches santiago a really a lot of really good valuable life lessons um like sort of how to listen to the world and and follow omens i think the one of the best lessons in this book is how to listen to your heart and how to how to not to be afraid of what your heart is telling you um don't be afraid of the unknown yeah like you'll be okay <laughs> i think that's something that a lot of people can can really relate to and i'll get to that at the end okay we're not done yet so along their journey the alchemist tells santiago that when he gets to the, towards the end of his journey the universe that's when it's really going to test him it's going to be like okay you're almost at your treasure i want to make sure you're ready for this so it's going to test you on basically everything you've learned along the way don't be discouraged don't stop you got to keep going uh just before they get to the pyramids they end up stopping at a monastery where of course the alchemist knows the guy that that's living there because he just seems to know everybody and the alchemist uses he uses some of his philosopher's stone and he turns some lead into gold oh what yep fancy schmancy so he takes this gold makes i think he makes like a disc out of it basically and he cuts it up into four pieces uh, he gives one to Santiago. He keeps one for himself. He gives one to the monastery guy as like a donation. Like, hey, thanks for letting us stay at your monastery. He gives the other quarter to the monastery to keep in case Santiago comes back and needs it. Just in case. Santiago's like, hey man, I already got lots of money. I'm super rich. Um, I can go back to the Oasis and get money anytime. You know, like, whatevs. But the alchemist is like, nope, let's do this just in case foreshadowing so they are pretty close to the pyramids at this point they're a few hours away and so now the alchemist is like all right it's up to you this is your journey i brought you this far it's up to you now you are on your own the one bit of advice that he tells santiago is to listen to your heart the treasure will be where your heart is Santiago's like, great, more riddles, thanks for nothing, see you later, peace. Of course, that's not really what Santiago was thinking, that's more just what I was thinking. <laughs> he was actually pretty good about the whole thing. He realized this is his journey, it's time for him to go on his own. As Santiago's going along in the desert, he's by himself now, he's traveling along with his horse, and he's listening to his heart. And his heart starts to tell him that the place where he is brought to tears is where his treasure will be. Of course, more riddles. God damn it. At this point, it has been a month since he left the Oasis. A month! My god. This kid has been so far from home for so long looking for this stupid treasure. Oh my gosh. I... Wow. With some things that have happened, I mean, nothing really bad has happened, but at the same time, like, things have happened that would make other people want to quit, you know? Like, right? So, right over the next dune, in the light of the full moon, yeah, I made that rhyme, 
he sees the Egyptian pyramids, the three Egyptian pyramids. At this point, they're already ancient. They've been there for so long. They're, you know, he's in awe of the Egyptian pyramids, especially in the light of the moon. That would be really nice. That'd be very pretty. He falls to his knees and he starts crying because he's just, he's just overwhelmed by the beauty of the pyramids. And he's thinking of all the experiences that he's had up until then. And he's like, oh my God, I finally made it. I'm here. I did it. I, I overcame all of these things. And he's kneeling there and he's crying. Where his tears fall, a little beetle, a little scare beetle pops up out of the desert and starts scuttling around in the desert. And Santiago's like, oh yeah, omens, right? Like I'm supposed to watch for omens. And so he follows the little beetle around and where the beetle stops, he starts digging. And he digs and he digs and he digs. He's not finding anything. He's like, okay, I just gotta, just gotta go with it. Just gotta keep digging. While he's digging, a group of men, some refugees from, from the desert war that are happening. They're poor. They don't have any money. They probably are injured or whatever. They come upon Santiago digging in the desert and they want money. Damn thieves. Damn dirty thieves. And so they start searching through Santiago's things and they find this gold piece, the gold piece that the alchemist had given him. Remember, right? The gold. And they're like, oh my God, he's got gold. This kid's got to have more stuff on him or he must have stuff in the hole. That's what he's looking for, right? He's got stuff buried in this hole. And so they make him keep digging and they make Santiago dig and he's digging and he's, his fingers are turning bloody, but they make him keep digging. And finally they realize that there's nothing in the hole. And so they start beating Santiago up. Yeah, things are getting really bad for Santiago. He's, he's, getting, he's getting his ass beat while he's getting his, his butt kicked by these guys. Unfortunately, like this is, this is the one time where things are getting like pretty bad for Santiago. Finally, he yells at the men. He's going, no, man, like, stop, stop beating me up. I'm, I'm here to find a treasure. I just came here because of a stupid dream I had that there was, there's hidden treasure here by the pyramids. And the men start laughing at him and they think he's crazy. And, and they realize that he's just a crazy kid and, and they don't have, he doesn't have anything else on him. And so they leave him alone. And as they're leaving, the leader of this group of disgusting human beings who are beating up a kid in the middle of nowhere, they tell him that he's going to be okay. They're like, okay, like you're hurt bad, but you're not going to die. And they're like, it was pretty stupid for you to come all the way out here on your own looking for a stupid treasure. Like, why would you even do that? The leader is like, I had a dream that there was treasure buried under a tree in a pasture in the hills of Spain. And I didn't follow that dream. Why would you follow your dream? And they, and they fuck off. They leave Santiago bruised and bloody. So while Santiago's laying there in the sand, he realizes. He's like, oh my god, that man just told me where the treasure is. And he starts laughing because he can't believe it. He made it all the way across the desert to the pyramids and realized that the treasure was actually all the way back home in Spain where he lived, that's where he came from, was in the hills of Spain. He knew exactly the tree that this guy had described. So Santiago was laughing at just the unbelievable way that the universe worked. He's laughing and cursing the universe at the same time, like he dirty bitch. 
So finally we're in the epilogue. Santiago actually makes it all the way to the tree. He he digs up his treasure. It's it's there. There is really treasure under this tree all the way back in Spain. On his way back to Spain, he did he stopped at the monastery and he ended up needing that that chunk of gold that the alchemist left there for him that he just seemed to know he would need. So that was the perfect amount of money to get him back to Spain and he found the treasure under the tree. And, and while he's digging for this treasure, he realizes how much he's gained over this journey and not just the treasure. Like he found the love of his life because Fatima is still in the oasis waiting for him. Um, he's gained so many life lessons from listening to the alchemist and traveling across the desert and, and meeting new people. And so while he's digging for the treasure, him and, and the universe sort of have a little bit of, he jokes with, the, you know, it's kind of when you're talking to yourself and you have a little bit of a moment and you're talking to the universe, you know, quote unquote. And he's like, you know, was, was all of this really necessary? Like, did you really need me to go through all of this just to come back home to find this treasure? And the universe is like, yeah, you wouldn't have seen the pyramids otherwise. Aren't they awesome? <laughs> <laughs> and Santiago is like, ah, fuck you, universe. Oh my gosh. And so he finds this treasure. Um, and the book ends with him making his journey back to Fatima, who's who's waiting at the in the oasis for him. And that's that's that is the end of the book. I hope that was a good description. I hope I didn't take too long. Um, I tried to make it as interesting as possible. I really glazed over a lot of the book. So please, if you haven't read it, read it. I did not do it justice at all. Okay, everybody. Wow, we did it. We made it. We made it to the end of my book description. <laughs> that I said was going to be brief, but it was not. I guess it's more brief than reading the actual book to you. So, thoughts, feelings, uh, opinions, perceptions, what do you guys think? What do I think? I'm going to tell you. <laughs> I've mentioned it a few times already, but I think this is a really great book to motivate someone to follow their dreams, even if it's scary. And even if you come up against some, some downfalls, as long as you persevere, you know, you, you will eventually reach your goal. I don't know if that's supposed to be the takeaway from this book, but that's what I got out of it. That's sort of like the general idea that I got from it. Like I said, it's, it's a really great book to read if you're about to start something new or if you're the kind of person that's hesitant about trying new things or if there's a really big project or a big uh, dream that you've always wanted to go after. I think this is a really, really good book to read. It is, it's a short book. Um, it is easy to read, but not in a bad way. This book isn't written in like a simple way. It's just, it just seems to have a really good flow and you can move through it really well. At least I, I could find that it was easy to read. Um, definitely a book I'm going to read over and over and over again. 
Um, I really liked that there was no big drama. There's no no horrible tragedies. You know, Santiago came up against some hardships and some pitfalls, but nothing really horrible, nothing that made me really sad, which I liked. It's nice to have a book that you know you can read and it's not going to make you cry. It's going to actually make you feel good. It's one of those books that manages to teach you or teach someone a lot of really valuable life lessons while telling you a story at the same time. I think those books are really good to read. It does a good job of showing that people from different worlds can come together and they can live peacefully. They can kind of find common ground, which was really nice to see. You have the very Catholic uh, Spanish side of things with Santiago, and then you also have the very Muslim Arabic side of things when he gets to Africa. Um, And I think it's really cool to see those two sides coexist in a way that works well for both sides in every situation except where he gets robbed obviously um santiago seems to find common ground with everybody even if he doesn't speak the same language or he doesn't have the same religion as them they seem to be able to work together One of the other lessons I like in this book is um, Santiago, he gets what he what he ends up wanting or what he goes for at the end of the book. Like he does get his treasure and everything, but he does have to work for it. It's not like he just, he follows the trail to Egypt. He easily gets the treasure and he goes back home and everything's great. He has to like, he it takes a lot of time. Like he's on the road for... I don't even know, probably two years, I would think at least, trying to get this treasure. And there's a few times where he thinks he's not going to, he doesn't think he's going to go get it. He thinks he's going to go back home and he's just going to give up, but he doesn't. And I think that's really inspirational. That's something everyone can take from that. You know, even though you have downfalls on your pursuit of your dreams, you can still make it. So, spoiler alert, I am not a very religious person. So I did notice, maybe that's why I noticed more, but they do mention the word God a lot in the book, but I think it really could be interchangeable with like words like fate or universe. They kind of use it in like a non-secular way, which is really interesting. I think that mostly just comes because Santiago is obviously, you know, he comes from a Catholic background, being from Spain, old tiny Spain. His parents were Catholic. And then the author, obviously, Paolo Coelho, uh, has a Catholic background. They deal with the Arabic people, who are obviously very religious. So there's a lot of religion in the book, but it's not in like a preachy way. They don't try to like tell you anything about like how great it is or anything. And they really try to sort of connect it to more like the universe and the co- all the connectedness of everything and, and how everything's combined. So it's really interesting, actually. I liked it. Um, I found it really interesting. There's actually a few points in the book, uh, particularly when the alchemist is trying to teach Santiago to listen to his heart. There was a lot of things in there that I really connected to having anxiety. Um, I have social anxiety and going through therapy, they taught me a lot of the things that he sort of teaches Santiago when he tells him about listening to his heart. Santiago at one point says that he's trying to listen to his heart, but his heart is really scared and it's telling him that he shouldn't be doing these things. 
and he doesn't want to listen to it. And the alchemist says, no, no, that's when you really have to listen to what it's telling you. Because the more you understand what your heart is saying and why it's saying these things, the easier it is to control it and say, hey, it's okay. We're okay. We're going to be okay. We can get through this. And that's something that I learned in therapy for anxiety which is basically the same similar idea as when your anxiety starts flaring up and it's telling you that there's something scary going on and it doesn't want you to keep going it wants you to stop that's not necessarily a time to ignore it and stop listening to your anxiety that's more of a time when you should be paying attention to it and saying like okay what's causing my anxiety what's really happening am i okay am i going to be okay can i make it through this there was also another part where Santiago talks about his his heart again is being scared. It, he, it doesn't want him to get hurt. And the alchemist is like, yeah, of course, you know, like your heart doesn't want you to get hurt. It doesn't want you to go through anything that's going to cause you pain. But you need to tell your heart, this is quote from the book, tell your heart that the fear of suffering is worse than the suffering itself which I think is a great quote to remember, especially if you deal with anxiety or anything like that. Oh my God, overthinking when you have anxiety is the worst thing and it's the thing you're the best at. But honestly, all the thinking and all the things that you're thinking are going wrong, gonna go wrong are worse than anything that could possibly go wrong. That's reality you know that's just the way it is and I think that's a a great quote to remember so I was really surprised to see some sort of things that tied into anxiety things in this book I didn't even expect it so all in all I think it was a really awesome book I really enjoyed it I really enjoyed having this as the first book to do for the podcast I don't know if you can tell I love talking about it um I think it was great Please, if you haven't read it, again, go read the book. So since the next episode is going to be out December 6th, guess what December is? It's Christmas month, which means, you guessed it, we're going to do a Christmas theme. There are about 5 million different Christmas themed books and or movies out there to choose from. I wanted to choose something that I have not read and have not seen. So I'm going to do a combo. It's going to be something that has been both a a book and a movie. We are not doing the Christmas Carol, but what we are going to do is a Christmas story. That's right. Not sure if everyone is aware, but a Christmas story started out as a book. Then it was turned into a movie and then it was turned into a musical. I actually didn't know about the musical part until I started doing research. So a Christmas story is a book. It's written by Gene Shepard. It's kind of a classic. Pretty much everyone is, I I think, familiar with A Christmas Story. I've never seen the movie. So I think it would be cool to read the book and watch the movie. And it would be really awesome if you guys did that along with me. So next episode, December 6th, the book A Christmas Story by Jean Shepard. All right. Well, I think we are at the end of it. If you can't tell, I'm starting to lose my voice. (laughs) I am not used to talking for this long. I'm going to have a Facebook page up and ready to go for the the Stoner Den, the Den. Uh, Please come and leave a comment. 
Let me know what you thought of the show. Uh, Let me know what you think of The Alchemist. If you've read it, give me your opinions, thoughts, feelings, whatever. Did you agree with anything I had to say? Did you disagree with anything I had to say? Thank you again for joining me on the very first episode of The Stoner Den. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. I had so much fun recording this. I can't wait to do the next one. Please come join me on the Facebook group. I'm going to post stuff as often as I can on there to keep people up to date and just post about general stuff, maybe stony stuff, and we'll see how it goes. Start a little community. Thank you again for joining me in The Stoner Den. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday and a wonderful week, and I will see you on December 6th. Bye-bye.